0: Welcome back to Held and Healed. This podcast is a resource filled with resources to help you on your healing journey, especially for women who are rebuilding their lives after abuse. I have started and stopped this particular episode about five times (laughs) because I'm still waking up this morning and I keep yawning, so I apologize ahead of time if I yawn. And then I was two or three minutes into the last take and the train went through, so I was like, yeah... It's only 2 minutes. I'll just start over. So that's the real and the raw when you don't have a soundproof room and when you're trying to wake up in the morning. So, welcome, welcome, welcome. I am excited to talk to you about a topic today that has really, really helped to put some things into perspective for me on my healing journey. I am rebuilding my life with chronic illness and combating some autoimmune issues and of course complex PTSD. And I have very, very limited amounts of energy in any given day. And so there is a principle that I learned about several years ago that I'm going to introduce you to today. Well, some of you may be very familiar with the spoon theory, and some of you may be hearing this for the first time. But before we get into that, I want to invite you to the third annual Held and Healed retreat, which will be offered online this year. Our keynote speaker... The wonderful, amazing, always full of information, drink from the fire hose, Sarah McDougall. If you're not familiar with her, you can look her up online. She has a very active um, Facebook and Instagram page. And she has an incredible website with tons and tons of content. She is the content queen. And both Sarah and I are experiencing health challenges right now, and we decided that doing this event online was a wise choice. So for those who would have been able to meet with us in person, it is a disappointment. But there are so many more ladies who can now have access to this event because it's online. They may not have been able to travel. They may even live out of the country may not have had the resources for travel and lodging and food costs. And so now this is a much more affordable opportunity. So September 8th through 9th. And if you're listening and that date has passed, you can still grab the video content on my website, heatherelizabeth.org. Just look for 2023 retreat and the videos will still be available even after the event has passed. So you are invited to join us and our theme is rest, regulate, and reset. This is a very, very personal um, mission for me and a passion project for me because I have been learning about resting in a physical realm. I've been learning about that for 20 plus years and I have gotten pretty good about resting my physical body and setting boundaries and saying no to things that don't fit in with my my passions and my skill set. And what my body can physically do, but regulating my nervous system and learning to reset my nervous system, those are things that I have only recently started learning about. And thanks to the work of Luke and Lawrence Malcolm, I give a shout out to them regularly with Lourish Therapy. They really took me on a journey and I learned a lot. If you are not following them yet, um, please do. They have an active Facebook and Instagram account, and their content is top-notch. You will love them, and I had the honor, the privilege of working with them in their 12-week program. So um, we're going to just talk about this more in depth, uh, probably in my next podcast, but in the meantime, I invite you to go to heatherelizabeth.org, click on the 2023 retreat tab. All the details are there grab your spot because space is limited. We're gonna keep this to be a, a pretty intimate setting because we are also doing four months of small group in a Facebook group content where I'm trickling information in on a weekly basis. And we want people to really have a chance to get to know each other, to mingle inside that group, and to learn some foundational concepts before we get to the actual event. So it's it's really a four month experience And we want you to glean from that now. So go grab your spot. Don't delay because we are going to cut it off um, soon. I think we just opened up another 20 spots. And we want you to be able to experience this full full, um, four months of content building community with the women who are attending. And then Icing on the Cake is going to be September 8th through 9th. Uh, We're going to kick it off on that Friday night with a pajama party, Girls Night In. We want you to still make this a pampering retreat experience of some degree, even if it's just you or you with a couple of friends. And so what would make this experience even more fun and meaningful is to grab one of your besties and do it with her and maybe get an Airbnb or just go to one of your houses and have all the kids, you know, with somebody safe for the weekend so that you can still have that moment to just breathe. So, um we are really focusing on the the theme and we want to help you heal after abuse and trauma. There's really nobody that wouldn't benefit. So women, even if you are not a domestic violence survivor, you're still going to learn from this. I don't know any woman in this world right now that doesn't need to learn to rest, reset, and regulate. And I'm trying to get to the, the things here. Um, I'm just scrolling, scrolling. So go to heatherelizabeth.org, click on the 2023 retreat tab, get registered, and then I will add you into our group and you will begin your, your journey to rest, regulate, and reset. So today I want to focus on a concept that actually Sarah introduced me to. So I had the privilege of doing some coaching with Sarah back in, I don't know if it was 2020 or early 2021. I can't recall. Maybe it was 2021. And she introduced me to a concept that I really needed to know about years and years before. And, you know, it's one of those better late than never. And so maybe you're like me and you still haven't heard of this concept. Maybe you have heard of it but you don't quite understand it. So today we are going to do um, a a dive into the spoon theory. So I am reading from an article that I pulled up um, from Wikipedia. And if you just go and use your search engine and just put in the spoon theory, you're gonna get a lot of content. So the spoon theory is a metaphor that is used to describe the amount of mental or physical energy a person has available for daily activities and tasks. The theory was developed by Christine, and I do not know how to say her last name, pronounce it, but I'll spell it M-I-S-E-R-A-N-D-I-N-O, Christine, as a way to express how it felt to have lupus. So she's the one that came up with this concept. She used spoons to provide a visual representation of units of energy that a person might have and how chronic illness forces her to plan out her days and actions in advance so as not to run out of energy or spoons before the end of the day. So it is a very subjective, okay? It's a very subjective thing. There is a little chart that I've shared inside the group. I don't really agree, necessarily. Um, This one was created by Molly's Fund. I don't necessarily agree with the allotment of spoons, but just to give you a general idea, okay? She has one spoon, and in that category, get out of bed. Like, literally, get out of bed. So, if you are like me, when you first wake up, if you're dealing with chronic illness, especially autoimmune issues, when I first wake up in the morning, the best way I can describe it is, it feels like I have a headache in my whole body. So you know how your head hurts when you, when you have a headache or you're you're headed towards a migraine. You're you're the throbbing, the dull ache, um, the soreness. I don't know how else to describe it. But when I first wake up and have a sense of it's time to wake up, it's time to move my body. It feels like my whole body hurts from head to toe, just when I first wake up. So choosing to put my feet on the ground. Takes a lot, a lot of working myself into it and encouraging myself. And usually, what gets me out of bed is that my dogs need to go out, right? So, getting out of bed could be a spoon. Taking your dogs out could be a spoon. She says in her chart, um, the Molly's Fun chart, it says call your parents. Now, if you have safe parents, just the act of making a phone call can be a spoon. If you have unsafe parents, that could be 10 spoons. So, it really honestly depends on the relationship you have with that person. Okay. And then she also has get dressed in that category. And the two spoon category, she has take a shower, manage your meds or make dinner. Okay. Well, it really depends on how elaborate your, your meal is. If you're just, if I'm going to go into the kitchen right now and make myself a bowl of granola, yes, two spoons, maybe. But if I'm going to cook a meal from scratch, start to finish, that could be more like five spoons. So again, this is subjective. Taking a shower can honestly be the hardest thing to talk myself into. But once once I'm under that water and I feel that water on me, it replenishes me and it makes it, it's almost like it gives a spoon back. But I have to talk myself a lot of days. I have to talk myself into just getting there to take a shower does anybody else relate? Are you relating to me? Managing my supplements. I will be completely brutally honest with you. I don't do a good job of this. <laughs> I have a a two, w- two week container. So it has two full weeks and I will fill that up. And honestly, it will take me a month or longer to take all of those supplements. So that basically means on the average, I'm taking them every other day. So This is something I definitely, definitely need to do better. So maybe managing them and setting them up into the counter would be like two spoons, but remembering to take them on the daily would be one spoon. Does that make sense? It's kind of a subjective thing. In the three spoon category, she has visit your doctor, walk your dog, or socialize. Again, it depends how far are you going to walk the dog? (laughs) Who are you going to socialize with? So if you're socializing with safe people, yeah, maybe three spoons. If you are going to have to interact with people who are not safe, it's going to take a heck of a lot more spoons. And then in the four spoon category, she has grocery shopping, taking the kids to school or going to work. Okay, does she mean just go to work or work an eight hour day? Because I believe that working an eight hour day is going to take 15 to 20 spoons, depending on your job, right? So subjective, but at least it gives us a starting point. And it helps us to think realistically. I am one person. I only have this much energy in a day. Here is what I'm going to give to this task. And if I give it to this task, it's gone. I don't have it to give somewhere else. When I run out of spoons, I have two choices. I can keep going and run myself into the ground and start taking from tomorrow's spoons or the next day's spoons, or I can say, okay, I have done enough today and I can't do anymore. All right. So I think it just gives us a starting point to say, we're rebuilding our lives and we're often depleted. Many of us are battling chronic illness as a result of ongoing trauma and abuse. How many spoons do you start with each day? Depending on where you are on your healing journey, you may only have one or two. So, I do remember a time in my life when I had one or two spoons. So, this was soon after I was diagnosed with the Zika and I was couch bound. And I could basically get up to go to the bathroom. And I could make myself a simple meal. And I'm talking about a sandwich or a bowl of cereal. I'm not talking about a meal. I'm just talking about getting some food inside of me. And maybe every other day I was taking a shower. That was it. All right. If you're feeling stronger and healthier, you may be working with 15 or more spoons in a day. P.S. I think working with an eight-hour day takes way more spoons than what is listed on this, this chart. It, again, it depends. Is it a job that is physically taking and draining from you? Is it mentally draining? Is it relationally and emotionally draining? So you kind of have to figure out the ways that you're depleted and then kind of multiply your spoons accordingly. So I think right now, I am working with somewhere between 15 and maybe on a good day 20 spoons. And so I would say getting out of bed, taking a shower, managing my meds or my my supplements, walking my dog. Now, I'm actually going to give myself 3 spoons just for caring for my dogs because they have some health issues and it's a bit it's a bit much. <laughs> and they have to go out frequently. And I'm I'm putting my fingers up. Okay. So I'm, I'm at seven right there. I'm already at seven preparing something simple to eat. I'm going to give myself two spoons for that. And then I am working about three hours a day. That is what I can do right now. So I'm already at nine and I'm going to give myself six spoons for that. So that, that puts me at 15 and that, that, that's about where I'm done. That is about where I'm finished. So notice I haven't even done a chore around the house. I haven't even socialized. All right. I haven't done anything extra above and beyond. And I'm already at the 15, just taking a shower, getting out of bed, taking care of my dogs and working for the three hours. I'm done. I'm already at 15. So on the days that I have a little bit more energy, I may spend about an hour doing a task around the house that needs to be done. So um, I'm currently trying to consolidate two storage rooms. Um, I have an office downstairs and a storage room upstairs, and I'm trying to consolidate that into just one room. And so maybe once a week or twice a week, I may spend an hour on that project, or I may need to clean the bathrooms. Or I may need to do dishes or some sort of bigger food prep like on Thursdays when we have family dinner. I am usually cooking um, and that takes about an hour of prep and then usually an hour of cleanup. I don't know why it takes that long. I laugh because I used to make fun of my aunt and my grandmother for taking so long to put away leftovers after a family like get together. But now that I I am the person providing the meal and I'm sending leftovers home with two or three of my sons. It does. It just takes some thought to like divide it into containers and to get all the pans washed and stuff. So, so that's taking a lot of spoons. So my Thursdays, I basically record this podcast. I do my meal prep. I do my three hours of work and I am, I'm toast. I'm toast by the end of of Thursday going into Friday. So think about right now, realistically, how many spoons do you think you're dealing with? Do you think that you have um, just a few? Do you think that you have, you know, somewhere between 10 and 15? Do you have 20 plus? I just pulled up another um, chart and I'm going to read, this one comes from, trying to see to give credit to, not seeing... I'm not seeing who to give credit to, and they explain the spoon theory is a creative way to explain to healthy friends and family what it's like living with a chronic illness. So when you are dealing with people who don't understand this, this can be very, 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 very frustrating. And I just want to do a little, just a little thought. So what happened to me is I had years, decades even, of struggling with things like flu, strep, pneumonia, bronchitis, uh, stomach viruses, allergies, et cetera. I had about 20 some years of that, right? And when I was in high school, I got mono. Shortly after high school, I went to Haiti and I got malaria twice and I had parasites while I was there. Um, different things that I've learned now just kind of lie dormant in your body and they kind of hang out in your gut, And what happened in 2015 is I introduced the Zika virus to my body, and it was like a monster that went inside and woke up all these other things that had been dormant inside of my body. And then shortly after, well, a year and a half later, I was also diagnosed with Lyme and chronic fatigue and adrenal fatigue and thyroid and and hormonal um, issues and, of course, the complex PTSD. So it's just a whole swarm of things. What I want to say to that healthy person who just rolls their eyes at their family member who never feels good, who never has energy, who is always canceling plans, if you have never dealt with chronic illness, I beg you, from the bottom of my heart, I beg you to have compassion. This is not something that any of us want, but many of us, many of us are one, one diagnosis away from having all these other things awakened inside of us. So if you are just going along, living your life, don't deal with chronic illness, don't deal with pain, don't deal with the fatigue. You don't feel like you're shutting down, you know, emotionally and physically at 10 o'clock in the morning, you know, because you've already depleted your spoons. Please have mercy and compassion. And understand that, You could be a day away, a year away from experiencing that. And it's really, really important to have compassion for people before you are in the same boat with them. I think we really are called to put our put ourselves in other people's shoes. And even if we don't understand it, we still are called to have curiosity and compassion for people who are struggling and suffering. Please, please do not judge and condemn or say this is because you have sin in your life or if you only did dot 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 or if you just saw this doctor or if you just talked this try, tried this supplement, please don't do that to people who are chronically ill. If you only had 12 spoons per day, what would you choose to do with them? And then their chart, um has one spoon getting out of bed, getting dressed, taking your supplements or your meds and watching TV. Again, it depends on what you're watching. If you're watching things that are super triggering and a lot of trauma um related, it may be depleting more than one spoon. She has in the two spoon category taking a shower, styling your hair, surfing the internet, reading or studying. Again, it depends on what you're reading and what you're surfing. The content really matters if you are doing something just for pleasure or for relaxation it may only take two spoons if you're reading something that's very heavy for research purposes it's going to take more than two spoons and the third spoon category she says make and eat a meal make plans and socialize do lighthouse work or drive somewhere and the four spoon category go to work or school again It depends. It depends on the environment. Go shopping, go to the doctor, exercise. Would you really seriously say that going shopping is the same as working an eight-hour day? Absolutely not. So again, subjective, and it really depends on what you're doing and who you're doing it with. I'm so grateful for grocery pickup. If you have not utilized and you have free uh, pickup through Walmart or other um, stores, please, please, please utilize that because it takes so fewer spoons to to just pick up an order. I've been doing that for two and a half years. All right, I'm trying to think. I had a thought and it just left me. Maybe it'll come back to me. Maybe it will not. So if you go into Held and Healed, the group, and you... um, just type in the search button and the search feature you type in spoon theory everything that i have shared about that will pop up and there's a little meme that really jumps out at me it says me i need to do a thing body you did a thing yesterday that's enough things oh i think if you deal with chronic illness you can totally relate you can totally relate to that um There's a fatigue survival kit that's shared by Gift of Calm, the chronic illness therapist. And so I'm just going to read some some thoughts here from this survival kit. It says, practice, practical free things to try when you have fatigue. Sit outside in nature or watch nature documentaries. And I would add to that even like the nature sounds playlist that you can find on YouTube and Spotify, cuddles and hugs with humans or your pets sit or stand outside in the morning sun. Even 10 minutes is really, really good for you. Open your windows, look at the sky, um, pa- uh, chat, sorry, chat or play games and puzzles with a trusted person. Again, it's gotta be a safe person or it's going to deplete a lot of spoons, Sleep or nap and rest. Say no to anything that you don't want to do. And I'll add to that anything you don't have a passion to do, anything that you don't have a skill set to do. Stop saying yes to things that are not in your wheelhouse. Stop saying yes to things just because you feel guilty or because nobody else will do it. It's not your responsibility to keep the world spinning. Breathing techniques, meditation, or progressive muscle relaxation I know back in 2020, I was doing Pilates on a regular basis, and I got out of that, and I really, really benefited from that, so I'd like to to get back into that. Sit with your legs up on a wall or legs extended with a pillow under your knees. Stay hydrated. Drink plenty of water. Take your meds. Take your supplements. Laugh, cry, or journal, and let go of some of your emotions. Okay. Okay. Practical things to try when you have fatigue. A weighted blanket to improve your quality of sleep. A favorite supportive pillow to reduce joint and muscle pain. Fluffy socks or foot bath to keep your feet warm. A fan. Baby wipes or cold cloths to regulate your temperature. Comfortable loungewear or pajamas. So when I am laying or sitting down, I want the temperature to be cool enough that I need a blanket. I like the feeling. I don't have a, a weighted blanket, but I have a fleece blanket that has a good bit of weight to it, and that's really comforting. So I will have a fan going and or the AC set or the temperature set so that I need a blanket when I'm sitting still. I am huge. I'm all about comfortable loungewear pajamas. Like I live in comfortable clothes. I think I've only put on jeans about 10 times in the last three years, and that's really not a joke. Easy to watch TV programs or audiobooks. a multifunctional laptop table to reduce back or neck pain, and my massage therapist encourages me to get up and move around and try different positions, so stand at the bar or the countertop for a while, sit for a while, walk around for a while, because any time that I stay in one position for too long, um my my joints ache and they lock up on me so headphones or eye masks to help reduce light and noise music or meditation playlist to reduce stress an extended charger and multi adapter i'm not sure what in the world that's about plenty of water or snacks if you can manage them so those are some suggestions for practical ways to help with fatigue and postpone anything that's non-essential so when you have fatigue it takes 10 times more energy than usual to do the simplest of tasks and three times as long so give yourself grace unfortunately some life tasks cannot be ignored what are the things that you absolutely have to do can anything be postponed can you ask for help tell people what you need or look at a week ahead what can be put off so I wanna talk about this right here. This is, this is a really important slide. This is all inside the group, things that I have I've, I've saved. So what are the things you absolutely have to do? So if you're in a season of rebuilding your life, what is putting food on the table and what is essential to keep you and your kiddos alive? That's what you have to do right now. And some of that you may not even be able to do. But if it is not putting food on the table, it's not earning you a paycheck and it's not keeping you and your kids alive, then maybe it needs to wait until you are not in this season. Many things can be postponed and or just let go of altogether. Can you ask for help and tell people what you need? I know this is a double-edged sword. There are some of us that have a support system and have people who will help us. And then there are some of us who have been hurt over and over again. And we've asked for help and we have been ignored or denied that help. And we don't want to ask anymore. And some people just flat do not have a village around them. So, I know this is a hard one, but what I have learned to do is when someone asks if they can help, I say, you know what? I need help with this. And if they can offer 30 minutes or an hour, let them. Don't make them feel like they have to be there all day or they have to pick up all the slack or fix all the problems that you have. But if someone can stop by for 30 minutes to an hour and help you knock out a task that you simply cannot do by yourself, let them. And I am learning this and I am allowing people to step in in the areas where they can. And then look at the week ahead. What can can wait? Is there something that can be prioritized? She has an additional um, ask for help slide. You may need help with those absolute have, have to tasks such as getting a prescription from the pharmacist getting and preparing food, or helping to look after others such as family or animals. If you're like me, you treasure your independence, yet sometimes it's just not possible to do everything for yourself. Asking for help is not admitting defeat. It's making sure you recover faster. And remember, if your loved one was in a position where they needed help and they didn't ask you for help, you would probably want them to ask you, right? If you were in a position to be able to help them. Try to not blame yourself even if your actions may have caused the flare. So um, we self-blame and other people blame us a lot and it's really important not to do that. Sometimes we can't pinpoint the cause of our fatigue, other times we can. And when we can, it's almost always because we pushed ourselves too hard for too long. So blaming yourself for this will not reduce the fatigue. Treat yourself gently and kindly as... Fatigue can be your body's way of telling you to go steady, take a break, and rest. So don't blame yourself. And to those who are helpers out there, don't blame your loved one who is struggling. Please don't. So I hope this has been beneficial. Um, Again, most of the time, (laughs) most of the time, these topics that I bring up are just scratching the surface. Um, There is another... There is another concept that some people find more easy to understand than the spoon theory, and someone compares it to fatigue being like a cell phone battery. So this is Mighty.com. and I'm going to pull this up because for some people the spoon theory just doesn't work, okay? So Christine, and I don't know how to pronounce her last name, it's J-E-S-C-H-K-E, She writes, for those of us dealing with chronic pain or chronic illnesses such as fibromyalgia, autoimmune disorders, or any host of other physical or mental health issues, there is often this one overriding issue that can wreak havoc on our lives and can be very difficult to explain to the average person, chronic fatigue. Chronic fatigue can often be diagnosed as an accompanying symptoms or even its own separate syndrome, chronic fatigue syndrome or CFS yet so many people struggle with it and find it incredibly difficult to explain to the support people in their lives. Personally, I struggle with chronic pain due to a nerve damage-related injury. However, since then, I have also been diagnosed with having both fibromyalgia and CFS. I'm constantly exhausted additionally by both pain and medications, as are many people who face the exhaustion of their illness and the side effects of medication. In 2003, when trying to explain units of limited energy that someone struggle, struggling with chronic pain and illness, she was introduced to the spoon theory. While this theory does adequately explain things, I've found that most people look at me like I am odd when I start trying to explain ter- terms of energy in comparison to spoons. To simplify, I like to compare energy to cell phone batteries. Each day, everyone gets a cell phone battery. People without the pre-mentioned health challenges, get a fully charged, perfectly working battery charged up to 100%. Those of us with chronic pain, illness, etc., are given faulty batteries that are each charged to a lower percentage level. For the sake of this example, you have a healthy, fully charged battery. Your battery also happens to be rechargeable. You can take quick power naps, exercise, have a healthy snack all those things act to charge the battery. Meanwhile, I was given a battery that was only about 60% charged and was thankful for that because 60% charge meant that I was having a better day than usual. My battery is not rechargeable. In fact, all of those things that recharge your battery just drain mine of energy more quickly. Our batteries also Do not drain at the same rate. Since I am sick and you are healthy, it takes me much more time, much more of an effort to do average daily tasks. Therefore, that shower that only used up 2% of your battery used up 10% of mine. You went to work and had only used 15% of your battery. I went to the doctor and used 40% of mine. I used another 10% getting the kids picked up from school, and then my 60% was already gone for the day. My battery is done and I can't stay awake even if I wanted to. I try to stay awake but I am zombie-like mode until I finally just fall asleep for the night at 5 p.m. Meanwhile, you've worked an entire day, come home and help the kids with their schoolwork and still have over 50% of your battery left. This often leaves the healthy person wondering if the person that is physically struggling is just being lazy when in fact they truly just have nothing left to give. This can foster resentment and anger if there is no way to explain to the healthy individual what is actually occurring to the individual with the overwhelming fatigue. Does the person with a limited battery pick and choose their activities? Absolutely. But unlike my example and where they can calculate their battery usage ahead of time, they have no way of knowing how long their energy is going to last. They They just know... That they have very limited amount of energy and when it's gone it is gone completely this allows them to prioritize certain things like doctor's appointments etc and save up energy but does not mean that they are being spiteful if they have no energy left to spend at the end of the day they need to communicate with the people closest to them in their life and find ways to express this and prioritize their needs can't they borrow batteries from other days? Technically, eh, yes, if they had something really huge going on and they absolutely needed to expend a great amount of energy. They could borrow a few days worth of batteries, but this is not without a huge cost. For example, they may want to go visit their family over Christmas and need to try to function at a more normal level during their visit, regardless of they will still need more rest than the average person. To accomplish this, they may have to take more medication to get through the increased pain. This will cause drink large amounts of caffeine to stay awake for slightly longer periods of time, struggle to comfortably sleep in a different bed, socially exhaust themselves, and expend large reserves of energy that they simply do not have on a daily basis. Upon their return home, Imagine a two to one battery cost ratio. In other words, for every one extra day of battery energy they borrowed, they need to sleep for two extra days time. Their body simply needs to recovery their body simply needs this recovery time. For those of us that have lived with chronic conditions for years, we have grown used to building this recovery time in around planned activities, or even vacations. However, it often causes a lot of anxiety as well because you're aware that any significant activity you are going to do will cost you more energy than you have and this can be extremely stressful, especially if those around you don't understand what you're going through. This loss of energy or stamina often surprises people the most about chronic pain or illness. As a former college athlete, used to working through pain or injuries there are days where I can push through the pain to accomplish something that is needed but then like an angry freight train the pain plus loss of energy just runs me right over and there is literally nothing that I can do about it there is no working through it it literally stops me in my tracks and I can't continue on until I get adequate rest this is one of the hardest things about chronic pain and illness to experience and to explain is there are so many misunderstandings surrounding it. Tips for caregivers, parents, partners, or friends. And this is really important application, practical application. Of those with limited energy and chronic fatigue due to chronic pain or illness, please do not excuse accuse us of being lazy. We are already mentally beating ourselves up enough for not being able to accomplish more. We are doing as much as we can physically do, but we are battling against both our bodies and our waning energy stores. This does not mean that we are any less smart, talented, or accomplished than pre-illness, but we are forever altered and we are struggling to work within our new normal. Hopefully this article explains why we seem to sleep so often. It is often very difficult. It is also very difficult to have quality sleep because of our individual pain or illness, which makes us even more tired. Pain also makes sleeping at night more difficult, whereas We may be able to sleep better during the day. Therefore, just because we are up late watching Downton Abbey doesn't mean we have any energy at all. We probably desperately want to sleep, but our bodies won't let us. It unfortunately holds us hostage that way. We still love you. Sometimes we feel so bad that we don't show it, and we are sorry about that. Please be patient with us, and we will be patient in return. Please remember... That we are more than just our illness, and we need to find new ways to recognize our talents and passions in the new normal. We may say no a lot, but we still like to be invited places and included by friends, even if that means having a friend just stop by for a while for a movie or talk. We still want to be included. Help us plan activities by building in adequate recovery time afterward and rest time leading up to them. Keep excursions short and not too physically taxing. Building in room for rest or nap time helps immensely. If you want us to prioritize time and energy for you, just let us know. We may need some advance notice. However, because we need to save up our battery for you, sometimes we may feel like we are rejecting you or leaving you out because we don't prioritize time with you. Sorry, sometimes you may feel like you we are rejecting you or leaving you out because we don't prioritize time for you. However, the truth is that we just might not know that you wanted our time, and we are more worried about trying to do things like shower, <laughs> so you won't think we smell. Thank you for sticking by us. You make all the difference, and this is by my friend Kristen M. I don't know how to say her name. J-E-S-C-H-K-E. I, I should so ask her how to pronounce her name. Is this by her? I think this is written by her. Let me go back up here. Yes, and it's in the Mighty is the the blog. So Kristen shared that a while back and, um, she updated it April 3rd of this year. Excellent, excellent article. And I apologize for not knowing how to pronounce her last name. So maybe that resonates with you more than the spoon theory. However, you need to understand and validate and, and just come into tune and into touch with the realities. Um, as a mother of of teenage boys, when I first got diagnosed with all these crazy things, my twins were fifteen and my firstborn was seventeen, and I, I just couldn't, I couldn't take care of them anymore. I was homeschooling them, and all I could do was lay on the couch and be there, kind of like for them to check in with. You know, that's all I could provide for them. I, I couldn't do a lot beyond that for those those first couple months. It didn't make me a bad mom. It didn't make me less than. Um, recently one of the twins, you know, expressed how hard that was because, you know, I had been, I had been available. I had been momming and then I wasn't. And he felt like he had to take care of me. Recently, my dad broke down in tears, um, just talking about how he just doesn't know how to take care of me. And you know what we don't really need, (laughs) <laughs> that that makes us feel more broken and that makes us feel more needy. What we just need is for somebody to say, I am so sorry you're hurting. I am so sorry you're going through this. I am so sorry you're in physical pain. What, what can I do to help you today for five minutes or 10 minutes? We don't need people to fix it. We don't need people to feel responsible for where we are. We just need people to show up and care. And have genuine curiosity and compassion. And when you ask questions like, you know, explain to me what it feels like when you you say that you're in pain. How would you describe that pain? It just makes us feel like somebody sees us and hears us. Instead of just, oh, you're sick again. Oh, you never feel good. Those types of comments make us feel like it's something we're doing. But when someone shows up and they say with curiosity and compassion, what's something that would really bless you today? I have five, 10 minutes. I have 10 minutes. I have 15 minutes. I'm at the store. What can I pick up? Those are the things that help us to feel a little less alone in this crazy world. So I hope that this was helpful in helping um, people who are dealing with chronic illness and their caregivers and their partners and their loved ones in their village. So do some research on the spoon theory And check out themighty.com, Why My Chronic Fatigue is Like a Cell Phone Battery. That's the article I just read. That was incredibly helpful. Expressed so many of the things that I have felt. And I just hope, I hope that this turns on light bulbs for both those who are suffering and those who are loving on those who are suffering. And I pray that you will feel held even as you are being healed. Blessings.